welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. In this week's episode, we spoke with Claire Brown from Plant Passion. Claire is heavily involved with Flowers from the Farm. She runs a course um, of the business of flowers. She wrote the British Flowers book. What Claire doesn't know about growing flowers isn't worth knowing. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Claire. We've been wanting to have you on for ages. That's okay. You are very well known in the floristry and growing community. And we've got we've talked about your book loads and loads throughout. Yes, the whole I know. I, I get I get my ears get burning. Just <laughs> <is> lovely. <laughs> it does seem that everybody uses your your lovely book as like a reference. So I I was saying to Vic that I discovered your book or came across it when when I was kind of when I was floristrying and making the move over to using more British grown flowers and you know you you kind of need something to be able to tell you what is going to be in season and what's not when you're trying to work seasonally and it's just such an easy guide to to that you just open up your month and there's the colour palette done that's that's why I wrote it because I needed a book as well because there wasn't anything so uh, yeah my uh, my florist used to say what's available in this month in this colour yeah. And so actually you needed writing. So yeah, I agree. Uh, Jess actually introduced me to your book, um, which again I'd said to Jess I wanted to use more British, but she was like, Well, I've got the, the the best book for you. And I use it on all the quotes, all of the quotes that I use, uh, that I send out, just so I know what's around. And then yeah. I obviously reference Jess and I'm like, Jess, are you gonna have any of this in? And yeah. it's, it's super useful. It's a great book. Thank you shouldn't you. reference you shouldn't use me as a reference then Vic because I'm probably using the book to reference at the moment <laughs> I only just want to see what yourself. you've got in yeah. I'm, like, I'm like I'm like this what have you got this in Jess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well we were we were quite pleased because uh, um obviously when we wrote the book um um the people who I was writing with were worried it would only be applicable for in Surrey but even if the flowers aren't going to flower in that month you know it's March they flower in Surrey for instance even uh, if it's up north in Yorkshire or something, the, the same flowers will be flowering at the same time. It's just it will be another two or three weeks later. Um, so we've in the years since I've uh, published first published it, um, we've been checking each month are all these these things in flower. And you know of the of the spreads that I've got, normally at least ninety percent are around. You know there might be something that's just finished or is just starting or you know the weather got it this year kind of thing. But I'm really quite pleased because it's all there. So how many years ago was it that you wrote the book? So we wrote it, um, uh, we started 2016 and it was published in 2018 and there is a new version being worked on. Um, so yeah, I, I had planned to do it last year, but that wasn't, that didn't, didn't happen. Um, so there is a new version being worked on, but I'm not going to give a date as to when that's out. <laughs> so I know how, how long these things take. <laughs> So, because I was going to ask, have you noticed already in that short period of time that it's been out on your plot with, that, that things are flowering differently? Just because my only experience of flower growing was last year, where, you know, as a commercial project. And it seems that everybody was saying this is later, this is earlier. Blah, blah. Well, it, it's really interesting because last year I had um, northern weather and <laughs> the people in the north had southern weather. 
Um, it was very interesting that last year in 2021, all of a sudden, um, it's always been that I get flowers um, several weeks before the other people I work with. Um, so Carol Sidon in, in uh, Cheshire, you know, can almost guarantee that it's I get I get flowers then. 10 days, two weeks later, she gets them. And then another week or 10 days later, Paula in up in Scotland gets them. Yeah. Um, and that's always, always, always been the same. The end of the year isn't quite uh, as clear cut because sometimes one side of the country can have the frosts first. So it doesn't necessarily move all the way up, all, all the way down the country, you know, with, with Scotland getting frost definitely before Surrey. It doesn't always work like that. But the beginning of the year or has, always has done. Last year, it was nothing like it. And actually, it was quite good because I was going, Paula, I've got your weather. What do I do now? <laughs> you know, it was cold. It was cold in the spring. I had a long spring, which was usually what Scotland would get. They'd get a cooler summer. Uh, and Paula was saying, uh, my ranunculus are going over. I've only had them out for a few days and it's been so hot in the polytunnel, they're all going straight over straight away. So um, I think uh, going forward, things are going to get a little bit more mixed up. But um, generally, um, in the, the four years since we started going there, it's everything's in the same order. And, um, in, you know, you're, you're sort of looking at getting a new edition out. Um, mm-hmm. Is another reason because there's a lot more, there's a lot uh, of newer varieties, you know, different colors, more different trends. There are to some extent. um, The trends is a really difficult one. We try to make sure that the trends were in the book and the color things, but a lot of the time, actually, nature is the key thing here. And you can't really buck nature. You know, if if a color trend is really for a time of the year, then a lot of the time you you can add in touches of a colour. Um, and this is where some of the difficulty between British flowers and imported flowers is because you can t- add in touches of a colour, but you can't go to a whole colour scheme. And there are some times of the year when a colour scheme is really easy and sometimes when it's not. So, yes, the plan is to add in a few more colours. I mean, uh, this year, caramel seems to be the colour, um, but there are very few caramel coloured flowers and they're only available at certain times um so yeah I, you know I also want to make sure I'm teaching people and I hope I'm teaching people about the real seasonality you know that this time of the year it's you know um this time of the year it's whites and pinks uh you know in the in the winter and lots of lovely foliage colors in the spring we've got yellow yellow is a really good color in the spring uh and then when we get to may blues and purples are the key color um and what i need to help our florists to do is to try and encourage their customers to have what's in season because if they encourage their customers to have the seasonal colors Mm. then it will be a lot easier for them to find British flowers that are appropriate to that so yeah it's it's color trends are really really tricky one and something that you know um, and also different parts of the country have different color trends Um, my part of Surrey is not actually as far ahead as London or even Cheshire Uh, Manchester area seems to be quite color trendy um and uh um, my area is very uh very plain colors very very um you know pinks and blues always loved in my area um and when when there's the trends are certainly in different parts of the country not all of the country um you know even just in a, a small country like the uk 
It's set to be um, a very good year for British flowers, isn't it? After, you know, last year's uh, imports and pricing and everything. So British flowers are really going to be amazing this year. And I'm hoping that then brings on um, florists working uh, with seasonal colour palettes. And it will take a long time to get background to that obviously you know weddings are booked so long in advance you kind of have to stick to their their color palettes but it would be nice wouldn't it if it was just kind of like I need six buckets what have you got uh, I, I I'm going to disagree with you there because it's oh. only the, if you haven't got the right customers um oh. I'd be working for and this you know my my flower farm's now in its 10th year uh and you need to pick the right customers um and so um when I started uh, I was all wanting to be totally organic, sustainable, um, you know, just British flowers. I've never used imported flowers at all in my work. It's always been just British flowers. Uh, and I had a friend who's a brand stylist, a designer, and she said, oh, Claire, people aren't going to care whether it's organic or sustainable. They just want beautiful flowers. And that was true 10 years ago. Um, but education is the way to get it changing. And it has changed in the last few years. But there are still people who want beautiful flowers. Um, and if we can educate them to have the beautiful flowers that we've got, then there's a huge market. I mean, I've, I'm fully booked, uh, have been for the last three years. So it's, it's lovely. Um, the market is there. We as British flower growers just need to make sure that we're educating people to use us as a market. So when you say fully booked, do you mean that you're that that your florists have have said right oh, this is the wedding this is the color scheme uh no because i don't always work in that way um i uh love to work with a range of um um customers so i have a lot of local customers i do um um buckets of flowers um, for my regular customers and I do what I call my Friday flowers which is the equivalent of the supermarket I know it's not thought of to be good to be the equivalent of the supermarket but I want to be able to collect all the customers that are in my village I want to make sure that I'm the place that they go to get their flowers so I have the equivalent when I started I couldn't I couldn't make it work I couldn't work out how on earth I could get to the price point that my customers want and I've got a background in in retail horticulture so price points are really important to me um, and what I discovered my customers wanted was they wanted a £10 price point for themselves and I couldn't do it to start off with I couldn't do it but then I discovered that they would like a bunch of flowers every week and as long as I tell them what the bunch of flowers is I can do that £10 price point and what means they get them I get them coming back every week. So I have subscription flowers that I do every week. I do buckets of flowers every other week and I do large buckets of flowers every month. So I've already got um, every Friday, I have a van full of flowers that goes out to my local village. So that's one set of customers. Um, I have weddings and again, um, it's my my way of doing weddings. I'm not, uh, I am a florist because a florist is someone who grows and sells flowers. Um, but I do DIY weddings. That's the thing that I love doing. I curate buckets of flowers in seasonal colours uh, 
and then they take away and make them into things so often they do the table arrangements um, a lot of the time now we do the bouquets and buttonholes but then they take away the bits so they get to do something but they're using British flowers and they're using the same color scheme the same theme as what I'm doing um, and then we I have um, florists but I have a lot of regular florists so I don't need hundreds of customers I need these regular florists who are very loyal to me and who will buy whatever I've got in season um, and that's the beauty of having having had the business for this long is that I've developed that customer base so that I've got all of them that work together um, which means it's great I know that I will have you know six florists each week who will come um, and yes some of them will be doing weddings and they'll have a, a color scheme um, so I know that actually this year I've got to grow a lot more pink and white um, yeah, I'll talk to you more about COVID because that was a real disaster when that struck. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the florists will, will want the wedding colours. But actually, my local customers often want a lot more bright. You know, like the supermarkets, they want bright colours. Mm -hmm. They want the reds and the oranges and the pinks, uh, particularly in the summer. They're really keen on that. Um, so, yeah, so it's great because I've got that good selection of customers. I've got a really loyal fan base that come back to me time and time again. I'd love to hear about how you built your business. Um, I know that we, we started off with a book, but I'd like to hear about your journey into, into flowers, uh, because it'd be really interesting to see how long it took you um, to get that business up and running. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, learn, the, learn all the kind of ins and outs of what actually can make you money. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, yes, it's been, uh, there, there were no courses when I started for, for business um, flower farming. Um, that, you know, I, I learned a lot of it the hard way um, by making mistakes. Um, my background is actually in horticulture. Um, um, I, can't, I fell into it by mistake. I did a degree in engineering, but um, when I left um, my uh, university in 92 I was going to go into engineering and actually it was that during another depression and everything was closing down so I did all I knew was I didn't want to work in an office there was no way I was going to be working in an office so I applied for retail um, um, management schemes and I got taken on with home base uh, and then they said to me, uh, actually, we're not doing a retail management scheme this year. We're going to do a garden centre management scheme. We want to train people up to be garden centre managers. Do you want to do that? And my mother laughed at me because she said, you don't know a pansy from a petunia. And she was actually <laughs> right at that time. But um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We were sent to Hadlow College. So I got a certificate in horticulture from Hadlow College. I did block release. Um, there from the stores that I was working in I worked in lots of um, retail environments some smaller stores some really big stores I worked up in Kensington uh, I worked in um, Guildford and down in Portsmouth and in Penge in East London so I worked in a whole range of stores and garden centres and learned a huge amount there about selling plants and looking after them in that environment uh, and then I moved on from there to Country Gardens who are part of the Wyvale chain so chain of garden centres and I was a, um, a garden centre manager there and actually that was the first time I came across um, flowers and floristry because um, we, for a short time we sold flowers from the Dutch um, and literally I got no training it was like order from this list 
this is how long they last for. They come wrapped in plastic, you know, blue croissants and all that kind of stuff and make them look good for your customers. Oh, and don't let them die. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, that was a very definite on the job training. And, and you know, the, the, the getting them off the Dutch lorry didn't, didn't appeal to me. It really didn't. I, I liked the plants that I knew that they'd been grown in nurseries down the road and, you know, um, and then I moved on from there. Um, I did um, two stores with uh, Country Gardens and then I moved on to the IHS at Wisley. Um, and I actually uh, moved to there to do um, a project with them. Um, but very luckily for me, just as the project was coming to an end, the um, plant centre manager there resigned. And I went, oh, yeah, me, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was the plant centre manager, actually the first female plant centre manager there at the IHS at Wisley. Um, and I was there for six years uh, and then my son turned up um, and he arrived a little bit early he was a teeny tiny baby uh, arrived a month early um, and they were actually um, having my baby shower as he was arriving so um, everything changed um, very quickly um, I went from being uh, in a job that I loved working very full-time you know retail management is very full-time um, to having this teeny tiny baby and I had to relook at what I wanted to do um, and I was very lucky at that point in time I was in the position where I could say actually I think I want to go self-employed work for myself uh, and so I set up my own business uh, and I did the, the 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 part of gardening that I loved, which was advising people in their gardens. Um, when I was at the IHS at Wisley, I'd set up a personal shopping scheme to get people the right plants for their garden. And so I did a lot of that. I did um, the telling people about plants in their garden and what was right in their border. Um, and a lot of the time um, I was doing planting plans for people, the right plants for the right place. And I discovered um, I'd been doing it for a few years and I was getting asked more and more to make cutting garden borders mm -hmm. um, for the ladies of Surrey uh, because they couldn't get flowers to pick. They, they couldn't get flowers that, that they could buy locally. Um, and so I did a lot of research. Um, I looked into, you know, all the cut flower flowers that you know what that weren't chrysanthemums that came in on the lorry from from Holland um, and I planted borders for them and I, I planted them I researched them I, um, I maintained them but I didn't actually get to cut the flowers because that was the customer's prerogative um, so actually I, 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 I liked this idea I, I, and I wanted to get to cut some of the flowers myself so I made a cut flower border in my at my home and um, I grew some more flowers in my allotment I've got an allotment that's um, local to us um, and I loved it and I started putting things together at that point I was definitely what I call a pick and plonker <laughs> uh, you know pick plonk in the vase do they look okay together um, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked doing it. And at that point, I'd got to the point where my business was doing brilliantly, but I couldn't work any more hours. You know, I was earning an hourly rate designing things for people or doing maintenance on the gardens. And I couldn't work any more hours. Um, but actually, you know, I had my son was growing. Um, we're in, in an expensive part of Surrey. Um, you know, I'm not in the in the in a position where I can't earn a salary um, and so I needed to look at what I could do and so I said to my husband I've got this you know this mad idea but I'd quite like to set up a flower farm 
uh, and my husband, being the sensible person he is, said, do a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're nodding. So I know that <laughs> it's the sensible thing to do. And um, so we did a spreadsheet. And I have to admit, I assumed that everybody who had had a border designed by me or had come to one of my workshops or, or had had advice in the garden, I thought, of course, they'll all buy a bunch of flowers you know surely they'll all buy at least a bunch of flowers um so that one was wrong because very few of my gardening customers went on to become my flower customers um but I, I I made this budget and I thought yeah yeah okay and then I started asking people for land um and because I'd been gardening I knew people with lots of um you know in this part of Surrey there's lots of big gardens there's lots of land Um, Not that I could afford to buy, unfortunately, but I knew people who did. And I just happened to ask the right person. Um, I asked lots of people, but I just happened to um, ask somebody who said, it was one of my customers, and she said, hmm, funny you should say that. We've just bought Hilltop Farm. Uh, And they didn't actually want the farm. They just didn't want the neighbours. Um, so they'd bought a piece of land, but they didn't actually have a use for it. So when I came along saying, well, I want to have a flower farm, I'll be there all the time. You know, it won't be empty or vacant or anything like that. Uh, they liked the idea of that. So we, um, took the keys to the farm, um, in January, 2012. So, um, we are now going into our 10th season amazing amazing (laughs) how um what size is your plot there so the plot itself is about four acres Hmm. but we're still um only using about an acre and a quarter um there's then a um a very um a barn when you say barn you think of nice wooden building but this is a very industrial industrial barn um which we are allowed to use um and we have a car parking area um, where the previous occupants had caravans. Um, so we have a flat area, which is fantastic, actually, when we have people um, coming to visit us. So we've got a car park area. But we're actually growing on just over an acre and a quarter. But there's a huge amount of flowers that you can grow in, in that space. Um, so actually, at the moment, I have no plans to use any more of the space. I'm very lucky in that my, my, uh, my, my lease says that I... Um, pay for the amount that I'm using but I steward the rest so they actually only want one tenant on the land so as long as I look after the rest of it um, so when I started it had a big problem with um, ragweed that the surrounding fields with horses and weren't amused with so you know we've we've made sure that we got rid of all of that we kept keep the fences um, sorted um, we do maintenance on things um, but um, yeah, that's that's the deal that we've got. So that's quite good, really. So in 2012, when you decided to take on the, the flower farm, what did you have in mind for the flower farm? Who who were your who were your clients going to be? Well, yeah, that's the thing. You see, it didn't quite turn out like I'd planned. I thought at that point that I would get all subscription customers. I thought it would be um, all subscription customers and. Um, I, I wanted to do something like an American CSA model, but it just doesn't work here. Um, the community supported agriculture model, but nobody was keen on that. Um, 
And so uh, my idea had been to sell retail because obviously you make more money from that. Um, and uh, I did the first year and really I was just feeling my way, thinking I'd do subscriptions, but nobody wanted them. Uh, there, it was it was really sad. I, I sold like four or five. <laughs> just it wasn't going to definitely wasn't going to um, make a, a business out of it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was really disappointed. I, I thought, why don't why are people not buying these subscriptions? But what I discovered was I need to listen to what they wanted. And what I wanted to sell them wasn't what they wanted. And it's a really big lesson that I've learned over the years is you need to know what it is your customers want and the price point that they are willing to pay. And then you've got to find out how you can provide that or else you've got to move on and find another set of customers. So that was a really, really key lesson for me is finding the right people. Um, and what that meant was that actually the customers who loved my knowledge for gardening weren't my flower customers. I needed to find a whole new set of customers for them. Um, and over the first few years, I tried lots of different things. I tried working with um, pubs and cafes. Um, and that was really good for learning which flowers lasted. It was a really, really good, um, uh, you know, starter to find out if you put a flower in a vase and you leave it on a table in a cafe and they ignore it in, you know, when it's hot during the day and cold at night, is it going to last a week? Um, and so I did um, three different cafes and a pub and had various different table flowers for those and, and kept loads of notes um, and worked out which things did last and which things didn't last. And I um, did a lot of um, trialing with, um, with, with um, conditioning flowers, huge amount um, of working out when to cut them. I couldn't find that information anywhere. It wasn't, wasn't available. Um, so I did a huge amount of trialing them, cutting them at different stages, whether they were tight in bud or just opening or, you know, all of that kind of thing, putting them in vases, working out how long they lasted, um, whether um, plant food um, worked, flower food worked. No, didn't find any difference in that. Just um, clean water, um, clean vases, clean buckets. That was the really key thing. And so having those customers did give me a weekly amount of money. And that was really important to me starting up. I needed an amount that I could know that I would um, make money for each week. Uh, and it also was um, really key in making sure that I did have flowers all through the season. You know, I, I had customers that I had to give flowers to. I couldn't not have them. I couldn't, you know, oh, no, this week I don't happen to have any flowers. Um, so that was really, really um, good learning to make sure I had flowers all the way through. At that point, I was really lucky and I still had a few of my gardening customers. Um, and so a lot of them actually saved my bacon if there were weeks when I needed some additional seed heads or foliage or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really good learning the first couple of years. And I also did some farmers markets. And um, I knew for my business before that I needed to market to people to, um, you know, to tell people I was there and tell people what I was doing. But I didn't make any money at these farmers markets. They were a lot of hard work and for no money. And what I discovered was that although they were fairly near to me, the customers for the farmers market came from 
the other side of the farmer's market, if you like. So those customers were further away. So even if I got them on my email list, even if I got to the point where I could market to them, they weren't local enough to come and buy my flowers regularly. So there was a huge amount of learning going on in the first few years, um, finding out which customers I liked working with and which customers I didn't like working with. And I always said at the beginning, I'm not going to do weddings. You know, I'm not, I'm you know, not a florist, not going to do weddings. And then um, I w- started working with a florist um, and she would encourage me to do weddings and she would buy my flowers from me. And then I started working with another couple of florists who wanted flowers for weddings so that I branched out into that, but it was just sporadic um, and something I always known from from my retail background is you need regular customers. You know, you need the money coming in on a regular basis. And so that wasn't quite going to do it for me. So it, it took several years to find exactly the right um, set of customers for me. Um, it was probably about year four or five before I went actually look these work together Mm. you know um, and what it means is now my week is great because all the customers work around each other if I did um, full service weddings I'd never get a weekend Mm. Um, but the customers I've currently got all work around each other really nicely really interesting to to hear about you know how you've got all these different types of customers you know I'm very much at the beginning of the journey Mm. and I'm I've got a couple of farmers markets and and yes, you're right. My customers for the farmers market are from the other side, but they are the ones that are just into the Cotswolds. And so they're coming to this farmers market with money to spend. So mm. it's definitely worth my while being there, but they are not, they are just my once a month customers. They're yeah. not like my weekly customers. And, it, and, it, and I can see from just one year that I've started to get my florists and I've started to get, yeah. you know, but it's going to take a long time to build up to the level you are. And everybody um, likes working with different types of customers as well. So it's, you know, what works for one person is not going to work for somebody else. Um, uh, you know, each different customer um, has a different way of, uh, of you know, they need a different amount of knowledge. So florist customers hopefully should know what flowers you're going to be having and you will know exactly what it is that they want. Whereas a bride who comes along hasn't usually hasn't got a clue. And this is where I saying that it's up to us as growers to train the British public because normally I get somebody, I often get somebody um, sending me their Pinterest board and mm. I go, actually, I don't work that way. At that time of the year, we have this color and this color and they go, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll have that. <laughs> And often what I found is because I now have the confidence to go, this is what I can provide and this is what is seasonal and this is what's around. And I don't go going, oh, yeah, well, I could give you this so I could give you that. They just go, yep, okay, we trust you. We like the things that we've seen that you've done and we can do that. And I think that, um, you know, it's all about quality. And if you can show people that you do quality stuff with whatever you've got, um then then that's the important thing I always think it's a little bit like and you ladies are probably um too young to remember it but do you remember ready steady cook yeah okay so ready steady cook you get a you get a bag of ingredients you don't know what they are and then the chefs are wonderful because they produce some amazing thing with some really ordinary ingredients and actually British flowers is exactly like that you get given um you know a bucket full of flowers 
and you add your couple of bits from your place or your couple of imported roses that you need in addition and you make something beautiful with it Um, and that's what we've got to get over to people is that it's actually the skill of the florist to make it look beautiful it isn't the customer saying I want this flower and this flower and this flower and this flower to go together that's the skill of the florist to make it look wonderful and if you look around the British flowers industry at the moment those florists who can do that, who can take, um, in, in actual fact, when we did the book, it was the, the florist that got a boot full of flowers from me. And I'd say, right, your theme is orange or your theme is purple and white. And you can see that, that that's all the direction I gave them. Mm-hmm. Now make something beautiful out of it. And they did. Um, so that's the really key thing. And and the difference and, and lots of the time, um, I found that uh, traditional florists who work a lot of the time with imported flowers are, are what I call painting with numbers. They are going to find, you know, seven quicksand roses and um, six pieces of a stilby, and and that's what they're going to work with. Whereas the best British flowers florists are going to find whatever it happens to be in season, and they're going to have some spires and some focal flowers and some fillers and some wonderful scented foliage, and they're going to make something great from it. And do you find you've never had any pushback with any of your clients that come to you? I think uh, because I didn't do weddings at mm. the beginning, and because um, when I did start doing weddings, it was because people went, actually, we want you, we want your flowers. Um, and actually because of the age that I am and actually because of my personality and the fact that I want to do it because I want to do it, I am quite able to kick back and go, nah, actually, that's not what I do. And the, the initial email that I send out to people says if you want a particular thing I'm not the right customer for you and you will want the certainty of the wholesale market Um, and I think because of that not only are my customers um, easier for me to work with I mean they are easy for me to work because I've said that Um, they're also more confident in what I can do because they're not going are you going to have seven quicksand roses or eight you know they're not worried about that because they're just knowing that they're going to get something which has got white and blue theme or they're going to get something that's brightly colored or they're going to get something that's um, a pastel theme you know they're only um and they, they don't know exactly what I'm go- going to give them and because of that they're actually delighted because they've you know they I get whatever's whatever's looking the most wonderful on the day and it's um, a total surprise as well to them absolutely like, yeah you know that's I think that's one of the most beautiful things you can yeah. give them they have no real idea of what it will look like until the day yeah. and yeah. then all of a sudden you you deliver it and it's yeah. amazing and it used to be that I didn't get to see my brides when I first started doing weddings they were very much just uh kind of I got a lot of mother-in-laws and things like that and it was DIY flowers and I'd do the bouquet but you know father would come and collect it you know he'd be allocated to collect it in the morning um the dads always come early and the mother-in-laws always come late you need to work that into your <laughs> your planning <laughs> if you're getting people to collect flowers it's just I bet know. it's because the dads get sent and they do Absolutely. exactly what they're told <laughs> exactly it's the only job they've got all morning <laughs> is to collect the flowers I, and and actually um, um best men yeah that's the only job they've been given all, all morning so uh, they they often turn up early usually as I'm frantically tying the last buttonhole or something but um I think uh, 
you know, when I started, you only got other people collecting them. But now the brides are, particularly in the last two or three years, they're a lot more invested in what they're getting. They want local and seasonal. You know, they've they've looked up their seasonal menu for the for the food, and now they want exactly the same for the flowers. Um, and they're actually a lot more invested in it and you know I get to see a lot most of my brides now sometimes it's, it's the bride's mums but most of the time it's it's the brides now and I get to see them at open days obviously during COVID I got to know my brides for like two and a half years because, <laughs> because things are being delayed and they'd come along to another open day or I do another Zoom meeting with them and um, yeah so I really got to know them them very well so um, and and I've just had the um, the unusual phenomenon in the last year of doing the same bride's flowers twice oh. because they had a tiny wedding in 2020, and now they have uh, the last year they had a big party or this year they're having a big party. So um, yeah, and and it's it's wonderful. That's the biggest compliment possible for you to know that people will come back to you again. Definitely. Also um, helps what, your business amazingly. <laughs> While we're on the subject of COVID, can we talk a little bit about how that impacted mm. your business? Yeah. Um, so I am hearing a lot of new growers and they are going, oh, yeah, we set up because, uh, because of COVID. And it was great because we had time in the garden. And uh, it wasn't quite the same for those of us who've been going for quite a while. Um, I'd got to the point um, three, two years ago where a quarter of my business was weddings and a quarter of my business was local people uh, and a quarter of my business um, was uh, workshops and a quarter of my business was florist and I was really happy with that it worked really well and uh, then uh, March 2020 three quarters of my business just went down the drain um, and it was it was really scary mm. um, I have to say that um I had not quite, well, I hadn't planned for it. Obviously, none of us had planned for it. But um, the scariest thing was when I sat down on that March evening and worked out that people had paid me for workshops that I was not going to be able to give. And I hadn't got all of that money. Uh, and that was the scariest feeling I have ever had. Um, luckily, most of my customers didn't need a refund. Um, forever grateful for them for not needing a refund obviously I offered everybody a refund but most of them took flowers the minute they could or um, came to a, a later date workshop obviously like a lot of uh, wedding florists that doesn't always help because then you're not going to make money on a later date but most of them took flowers so that was just fantastic the weddings obviously got delayed and delayed and delayed and um a lot of them were, you know, tiny. Instead of being a big wedding, they were two buckets of flowers for them to do the, 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 um, you know, the, the flowers for their table or something for their twelve people or fifteen people. Um, I, you know, I, I did several bouquet and buttonholes, which was lovely that I got to do the bouquet and buttonholes. But it's not quite, um, you know, not quite the same as being able to do a, a you know, a. 10 bucket DIY wedding with a bouquet and five bridesmaids and the buttonholes. So, um, and then of course there were no florists doing weddings either. So all my wedding florists disappeared, but uh, I had several um, retail florists local to me um, and they couldn't get Dutch supplies. And so they bought from me 
Um, and Dawn in particular, Dawn at Poppies and Peonies was my saviour. She came every week and took to double what she normally would do. She just said, right, well, I'm, you know, she was definitely the, the epitome of the, of the, um, um, getting the bag of whatever she got. She just took what she had from me and made them into bouquets for her customers. And my local customers bought lots. Um, and it was at that point that you kind of realize how big your um, social media circles are and your, your friend circles are. Um, and there was um, several weeks in April where all of a sudden the tulips came out <laughs> and it's like, Oh, okay then there's no weddings there's no you know so um but social media helped me and I there was one uh, weekend where I delivered 54 bunches uh-huh. around my village you know and my village has like 5,000 people so it's not like you know huge um and then there were flowers that we didn't use um and almost all of them were wedding colors so pastel pinks and and peaches and whites and creams um but i do a lot of business networking and one of the networks i belong to were um, event professionals and they were all helping to feed the staff at the royal surrey hospital Mm. and they invited me to be part of their group so i sent flowers um, via this group so I didn't go to the hospital myself but I sent flowers and um, that got given to the staff at the Royal Surrey Hospital and we did that for five weeks in a row through the the key weeks so all my scented narcissi and um, all the pastel um, tulips and um, mini bouquets of tulips and centuria and things like that um, went out through April and May um, through to the hospital um and they got used so that would have been awful like I know I know well when we when we locked down I I sat and cried because I thought all the flowers that we had spent all the time planting all the money that we bought them for I thought they were all going on the compost heap Uh, and I knew I know I talked to lots of other growers at the time who were more senior growers if you like those that were you know, that hadn't just started. I think the people who had just started a year or so before actually did quite well because they had retail buyers. And so the retail market was fantastic. You know, people wanted to send flowers. People wanted to be in contact with people. It, you know, really, um, it really helped everybody. It was fantastic. So if your business was at that small stage, then that was fantastic. But if you were at that larger stage where you needed those weddings, those wholesale orders, those, you know, those huge workshops to to get you through the year, then that was a little bit more of an issue. Um, And I did honestly think I would be throwing away, you know, thousands of tulips. So it was lovely to see them all go out and be used and be wanted. Um, And actually it, came back to me it was fantastic because they um um some key people in Surrey business spotted that I had done that and um there was some money raised for the Royal Surrey um for the staff fund um and they asked me whether I could supply bouquets for life events for the um hospital that summer and they paid me to do that with the money that there had been raised so all through the summer of 2020 I delivered um bouquets to the Royal Surrey Hospital for people's 50th birthday and um if they were being bereaved or if they'd had a baby or something so that was that was really good and and you know kept me going 
but um 2020 was was difficult because it uh, and and also my son had been at boarding school <laughs> we got 24 hours notice of him coming home yeah. um but that was an extra pair of hands on the farm yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> whenever he wasn't online learning he was like my darling come and pick some tulips and some daffodils and my husband was working from home obviously and he was a star he was he'd come up in the morning because obviously we had to get everything picked um, you know, early in the morning, and uh, he did he did many um, many shifts of of picking with me. Um, at that time, um, you know, when I didn't have staff in, it was great. So you know, I've got through it. I've got through it. Oh, well done! It's it's it was such a shock for mm. everybody, and so many people have 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 kind of turned it into a positive and you know you put all the, the bad experiences behind you but I do feel for all the people that you know have struggled have closed down and who are still kind of going through. yeah yeah I mean for me it it did show me how I needed to you know and we all had to pivot mm-hmm. <laughs> horrible word um, <laughs> you know but it did show me that there could be different markets um, and one of the things I did the minute we were allowed to socially distance meet up with people was to to offer um, pick your own now I hadn't I'd only done it a few times before I'd I'd done it occasionally when I was at the end of a season I had lots of flowers but obviously I, I didn't have weddings that summer and so there were thousands of stems that weren't going to get picked so I offered pick your own and actually it was amazing because people came along at a time when they a lot of them this was the first their first visit outside the house mm-hmm. And what was really interesting for me was that a lot of them were people who had been on my um, email list for years or had been um, social media followers for years, but hadn't had a chance to buy my flowers. They hadn't wanted to buy them as um, for a wedding. They hadn't wanted to buy a gift bouquet um, or were near enough to get a Friday flowers delivery, but they could come along and pick their own flowers as um as something to do, um, something to help their mental health as well. Um, And what was really interesting to me was that a lot of people had been on my list for ages, but hadn't actually bought from me. And that by getting, try and pick your own, I had a new set of customers. And that really opened my eyes to how, um, again, as I said, you know, working out who your customers are and what you can do for them and how you can get the price point that you want from those people. And sometimes it's just offering them something different. And so Pick Your Own really um, changed. And we've actually created a separate Pick Your Own area now. Um, and yeah so um last year it was a little bit funny because we 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 wanted to have a pick your own area but obviously it wasn't you know we just newly put it in so a lot of it it wasn't um uh, wasn't fully grown and it meant I could only offer pick your own um on the days when I didn't have weddings and I you know when I didn't want the the rest of the field uh for big florist orders um but this year we're doing it separate. Um, a lot of the things have been in for 18 months now. Uh, we've got more perennials. We've got shrubs. Um, so we'll be able to offer that every week from mid-April onwards. Um, so we'll be able to have a separate pick-your-own area. So that's, you know, it's looking good. And hopefully it'll be a different set of customers to those who've had a bunch of flowers or, or a bucket of flowers each week. 
That's really nice That's to know. Exciting, isn't it? Let them into yeah. a separate area and they're not going to yeah. lock the head off. Yes. Don't cut those. Not those, not those. <laughs> and, and that's something I hate is, is yeah. um, you know, saying to people, oh, but you can't have that. And, you, you know, it's a bit different to say, well, if you cut that now, it won't last. Um, because when I do uh, my, um, uh, my workshops, I often say to people, look, there's nothing you can't pick. However, if you pick a eucalyptus in June, it won't last, <laughs> you know, and that's slightly different to going, no, you can't pick that because I need that for a bride and that's going to there. So you can't pick that. I don't want to be doing that. So it's quite nice. Now we've got a separate area um, that we'll be able to let people in um, and they'll be able to start from when the narcissi and hellebores and tulips are starting um, from mid-April. And also you can cherry pick what you're growing there. Yes. Yeah. So you- well, I have because um, what I've discovered is that pick your own customers are a completely different customer from everybody else. The pick your own customers want the um, the big and beautiful and definitely the the, the, um, the bright colors. But, you know, they all want buckets of bright colors. They want unusual. They want, you know, seed heads, but they mostly want big dahlias, um, delphiniums. You know, I've always not been able to sell that many delphiniums because a florist would normally need, you know, 15 and I've never got 15 blue ones flowering at the same time, um, you know, but um, what I've discovered is that pick your own people want one, one tall stem to put in a vase, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put it separately in a vase at home. Mm-hmm. So one big, beautiful delphinium will be fantastic for them. Whereas for a florist, I wouldn't even bother putting it on the list if I only had six or seven, because somebody will go, I want 15. And you go, no, I haven't got seven. Um, But that's seven people who can put them in their pick your own bucket. Um, So it is a completely different market. And I think that when people start um, growing flowers, they just grow what they want. Mm. And that's fair enough. But um, you actually then need to be looking at the market that you're going to be growing for. And you're going to be making it, making your flowers really productive um, to grow for that market. Fantastic. And while we're on the subject of um, how you work with sort of different client Mm -hmm. areas in terms of what you grow, how does it work with wedding florists? Um, Do they kind of have a meeting with you and tell you what they've got coming up the, you know, obviously the year before, I guess, and let you know what they've got coming in so that you can grow a certain amount of so I work with some florists and I, I, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to tell you really honestly here that I haven't let any new florists join me for the last couple of years because um, I've got a really good core of florists who I know. Mm. Um, and I work with some florists and I can go, oh, that's for them. You know, they'll love that one. Yeah. Um, and um, what I tend to do is they say, um, so I've got a, um, um Johanna Pedrick is one of the florists that I work with and she's already said to me right in July I've got this color wedding can you do me 300 pounds worth um so normally I do a number of stems or um, a, a budget and I'll say okay in that color scheme at that time of the year you know we were talking about how many whether you can add dashes of color or whether you can do you know the natural seasonal seasonal colors will mean you can do them you know um if it's june and you want just white no problem at all but if it's if it's april and you want just white mm, actually you know you might be all, all tulips kind of thing um so I can look at the orders and go, yeah, if you want £200 worth at that time of the year, or if you want 400 stems at that time of the year in that colour scheme, you know, that's no problem. Um, you want caramel and you want 500 stems, 
no way you know so um, I can give you 50 stems at this time of the year so that's how I tend to work with the, them and they'll let me know how many focal flowers they want and how many fillers and foliage and herbs I do a lot of herbs a lot of my florists want lots of my um, herbs um, particularly the retail florists actually it's something that they can't get good supplies of that are really hardy so I, I sell a lot of herbs um, and I don't sell as many focal flowers to my florists because usually they'll be working um, with my filler flowers and the special bits and then they'll buy in the roses um, from the real flower company or from abroad depending on what the customer wants um, that go with that color scheme um, so um, and then my re regular retail florists are even more fantastic than that because they go, I'll have one hundred and twenty pounds worth on Thursday um, and I have um, regular orders from them. And then um, um, I've got. So, yes, yeah, so my two local uh, retail florists will normally go. So they'll I'll normally have, you know, an 80 pound order, or 100 pound order each week. And then they say, oh, and we've got a wedding. So can we have an extra 60 pounds in blue and white? Um, and so again, it's all about trust. It's all about knowing that I'm going to give them the, the best, um, best quality flowers, the best stems, um, that I'll tell them if I can't do it. Um, and that's definitely, uh, um, that's just years of experience of going, you know, actually I've got this lot planted and the, the chances are I will have it or I won't have it. Um, and I can look at the field now and my plans and go, yeah, there'll be a thousand stems that week or there'll be 3000 stems that week. Um, so through the year, I know about how many. And then it's just a case of making sure I know to get the staff in to be able to pick them um, and know how quickly we can pick them. And whether if I've got seven orders on a Thursday morning, you know, I can't can't get it all picked in two hours. It's <laughs> just not going to happen. So, yeah. So you said it's all down to experience that you, mm. you know, how long, how gone, give me in years, how many years do you think it took um, to, get there, to get to where you are? I think probably by year four, or maybe year five, I think um, that was, that was getting easy. I think the main problem is that a lot of growers, I've seen a huge amount of growers go out of business in year two and three and they're not making money at that point. And a lot of the time it's because they're not productive Um you know, they love the growing, but unfortunately, as with any small business, the growing is no good unless you're selling. Mm. Um, and that is the real key thing is that you've got to, to sell your flowers. Um, and that's why we set up the business of selling flowers, our online courses, because that was the thing people were having difficulty with. You know, people, if they're enthusiastic, can learn how to grow. Um but there's no point in having a field full of flowers. You'll only have a business that you can continue doing if you can get all of those flowers sold. Now, you don't actually need huge amounts of customers. Um, as I said, you know, if I've got um, five or six florists in a week and a DIY wedding and my Friday flowers and some bouquets that come in through my website, that will give me a lovely, um, you know, a lovely base, couple of workshops in there. Uh, and I'm making way more money than I could make by being a garden centre manager. Um, so that makes it really nice and easy if you've got return customers. But if you don't know where those customers are coming from, if you're going to go out hustling for them each week and selling, you know, a 25 bunch hit, pound bunch here and, a, you know, 
a 65 pound bunch here, then that's not going to be easy to get that happening. So I did your uh, business of selling flowers course and I loved it. Yeah, and thank you. Um, it was, it was just, you break it down so nicely and, and there was a lot in there probably from me just being me that I was kind of like, I'm sure I know how to do this, this business <laughs> thing. I've been a florist. I know how to grow, but actually I have learned so much from that. And, 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 and sometimes just reading and, and having what you kind of think you know broken yeah. down for you and being able to kind of make your notes and, and what you suggest is a lot of spreadsheets as well. You are far <laughs> <Yes>. more organised <laughs> than me. <laughs> and, um, and that's that's on my New Year's list too, is to like make more spreadsheets. But it was absolutely brilliant. I would suggest it to anybody that that's thinking about growing, whether it's in their garden or on a much bigger scale, because it does just kind of make sense of what's in your what you think you know yeah so that's our business of growing flowers course and it's our kind of our flagship online course which takes place every winter and we get people to sign up in September and it's got 10 different modules of going through all the different business side of of working out how you work yourself how you plan your farm how you work out what customers you've got you know as we've been talking about it's really important you know which customers you're going to be growing for Um, as I said the year that we had COVID I had all this pink and white on the field that just got wasted just didn't get used you know it's got sent off the hospital or get, got wasted Orleo I had two rows of Orleo I never even picked because normally the florists would buy that and I didn't have any so it's really important about knowing your customer so that's our flagship course and then we do other short courses to make sure that um, people know about uh, whether an introduction course because there's not there wasn't anything like that when we started um We've got one about perennials and one about roses and we're just currently writing one about shrubs because that's the key thing is the foliage and the British are so good at growing foliage. We have such wonderful weather for foliage and the stuff that's imported is so boring actually uh, that actually our foliage is fantastic. But again, also on that, we've got um, selling and pricing because those are the key business things that um that people come into and, and often they've never had to do that in previous jobs before you know and they love the growing um and growing is wonderful but you have to make sure that you temper that with also selling the flowers otherwise it's not a business it's just a hobby and also you know the social media and the website Absolutely. And yeah exactly like, oh, yeah no yeah. that's all in the, the selling of selling your flowers course because that that is so important the social media and it's not um you know social media is a fantastic tool but only if you know how to use it you know it isn't mm-hmm. about a numbers game we've just been saying you know if you only need seven florists a week uh and if you can only make you know my husband's always really good at saying well if you had 50 people ask for a bouquet tomorrow could you do it well no I can't make 50 bouquets in a day so what's the point of me having thousands and thousands and thousands of followers what I actually want is customers on my social media and I need to be talking to my customers and answering my customers questions rather than just getting this really large social media following that will like and go go through not actually do anything it's really about getting in touch with the people who are going to be your customers or or could be your customers and this is what I was saying about the uh, the pick your own they're people who had been following me said oh I like that oh I like what plant passion does you know it's uh, it's really interesting what what she grows in Surrey 
but then they haven't had a reason to buy from me. And I've given them a reason because there's a, a day out that they can do socially distance, that they can get a bucket of flowers that they can display in their house. And all of a sudden, that's it. They'll buy from me straight away. Um, and that um, the, the second um, pick your own that I did um, during COVID, the first one I, I advertised on the website and it, it, um, it went quite fast. Um, but the second one, people had said, no, no, we want another one, put yeah. another one on. And I was I was actually out on the field. So I'd kind of put on, oh, I'll put it live at 6 p.m. tonight. And I put it live at 6 p.m. And by 6.15, I'd <laughs> sold out. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what social media is great for if you've got the right customers. Um, and, you know, you could have 50,000 people that are following you from all around the world. But unless you've got people who can actually come to your field at that time and date to cut flowers, they aren't your customers. Um, so, yeah, social media is fantastic, but you need to know how to use it for you. Makes you feel good, though, when you've got. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, also, I wanted to speak to you about your involvement with um, Flowers from the Farm. Mm. My, I write, I listened to uh, Rona's podcast with Jill Hodgson, and she said that you were the one that, that kind of went, come on, sort this out. Yes. Yeah, well, because my background is in, in retail and, um, and because I'd had a business of my um, own, I was looking for a group of when I became self-employed, I was looking for a group of people to join up with. I knew that I needed business networking um, and, um, you know, business friends is what I needed. And um, I thought I'd found it with Flowers from the Farm. I thought it was great. And I went to this meeting in Clumpton. Um, and yet, um, Jill is an amazing person. Jill Hodg Hodgson is an amazing, amazing person. Um, but she didn't have a clue about the, <laughs> and she won't mind me saying that, <laughs> uh, about, about charging for this wonderful organization that she'd put together. And um, I said to her, but I wouldn't have come along if it had been free. She'd been worried that we'd been charging too, too much for this meeting. And I went, but I wouldn't have come along if it was free. It wouldn't have been a value to me. If it, it wouldn't have been, made, been worth me traveling all the way down to Devon if it had been free. And this is what a lot of people in the farming community and in the gardening community are worried about their worth. Everybody needs to know their value um, and that the information that we are given in these organizations is amazing and fantastic. And it shouldn't be free. It should be um, given at a price that makes us know how valuable it is. Um, and so that's how I came to be um, involved in Flowers from the Farm. I started out there and obviously I realised that Jill needs some help. So I was um, membership secretary for the first couple of years. And then I was um, uh, I helped with the southeast area and I'm just finishing my second three year stint as um, membership uh, as area rep for the southeast but i am just handing over the january at the end of january when we're having our conference i'll be handing over to a new team of people um because it does need new new blood it needs new people to come along um 
obviously it's fantastic that we have got people who've been in flowers from the farm for nine or ten years now um because that is you know there's a wealth of knowledge in there uh and it's it's where i met a whole lot of the people that i now call friends including um carol and paula from the business of selling flowers we met through flowers from the farm and we started helping each other and did um on you know we did a workshop at carol's place um in cheshire and that's how we got working with each other so um flowers from the farm is amazing for um meeting up uh, it's those business relationships that you can build through there and um I hopefully even if i'm not um area rep anymore i'm going to be um involved quite a while it is a really good resource i you know i'm a member now and um you know having a bit of time over christmas and new year mm. go back and catch up on all the the things i'd i'd missed on there do you find your the the membership with flowers from the farm is 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 only for um education and connection with other growers or are you finding that you get business through there or is it still a little bit because I know that you can do a map search. So I encourage mm. people if they want to send flowers yeah. someone to go and have a little look at the map, find the person in their area and call them directly. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and that is is brilliant. But um I would still guess that the flowers on the farm is much more useful for it, the it, growers in it's it. It's more useful for the growers in it, definitely. Yeah. Um it it's it's a network. It's it's that it's the friendships, it's the it's the knowledge base, it's the being able to call on somebody else if you you know, the flowers from the farm people would be the first people I'd ask if I needed extra help getting flowers. Or as you say, if I can't, if I can't do a wedding for somebody, I'd send them to the next uh, flowers from the farm grower. And that's why the new map function is excellent for, for, for actually for flowers from the farm members to find other flowers from the farm members. But it is being used more. Um, the figures are telling us now that it's being used more by the public. And I think as things go forward in the next couple of years and people do become far more aware of how um, unsustainable it is to get in flowers from abroad, I think that that search function will be used a lot more for people to find their local grower. Um, I know when uh, the Flowers and Farms Farm Southeast area um, showed at the at the Dahlia show at the at Wisley in September, and um, we were saying to people, "Do you know who your local grower is?" Um, and connecting them with people. Actually, it's quite funny because I had one lady say, um, "Oh, I'm in um, Berwick up in Scotland," and I went, "Oh, Paula's your local grower." <laughs> So, you know, it's fantastic to be able to say this is your local grower. But I think over the coming years that people will use that function a lot more. They won't go online to Interflora. They will go online and find their local grower. I think that will be really important um, going forward. Um, And yes, those of us who are in the network, I think, will then also benefit more from that kind of thing. But definitely for me, it's the it's the friendships and the knowledge and the um, you know, being able to to um, to feel like you you know people even when you've never actually met them. Um, I know that I went to see um, Sal Robertson. I know you've talked to her as well, yeah. and um, I went to meet her up in Norfolk. Um, and um, I actually um, went up with my mum and dad and my son. It was on a half term, and she'd agreed kindly agreed to um, show us around her flower farm. So we'd agreed to meet at the hotel we were staying at. My 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 mum used to um, go on holidays in Sheringham, so it was kind of a trip to that Sheringham as well. She uh, we, we agreed to uh, to meet at the hotel for breakfast. 
And I took William, my son, down to the seaside. Shows how many years ago it was now, because he was still quite small then, and he's a teenager and now, just about to do his A levels and leave school. So, um, but we, I took him down to the seaside. As we came back, we saw somebody walking up the hill towards the hotel, and I went, "Oh, there's Sal!" And I opened the window, "Hi, Sal! Jump in!" And then I realised when we got back to the hotel, I'd never actually met her before. <laughs> we only knew each other through social media, but you know, we <laughs> we hadn't had to do the formal "Oh, who are you?" kind of thing. We knew both knew exactly who we were uh, because we had made a friendship through through meeting through flowers from the farm and through social media we we had we had you know got to know each other um and that's fantastic yeah it's amazing for that so I was I was in Norfolk um visiting some friends over the summer and uh, I managed to get out of having to play mini golf in Cromer <laughs> because I told the family that I'd made a meeting with Sal so they dropped me off to meet Sal at her plot and you do you just it there was no kind of formal introduction it was just kind of like yeah. hey come on Jess I'll get you the get the kettle on <laughs> yes yeah and it was really lovely to 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 be that way around around people and um yeah and I think that that's what flowers from the farm and the and how friendly all the people are um to you know uh, to all the growers uh, however long they've been doing it for So with you running the course, are you now seeing lots more uptake on that? I'm just thinking in the, the, you know, slowly, slowly, we're all coming around Mm. to the no no foam and sustainable flowers. um, and, and, And I think that the British floristry, British flower growing is going to become even more popular, Mm. which then means we're going to need more flower farms and bigger flower farms and Mm. great flower farmers so is that do you think that's true with with the figures of people booking on the Uh, course yeah yeah I mean we've been full on our uh, flagship course for the last two years we only want to get up to a certain level because obviously we want to give help and advice to people and um we've been full for the last two years obviously other online courses can have more people on and there are people signing on all the time which is absolutely fantastic you know we we love that um and um you know there are more people now um than there were a few years ago obviously online with all the different online courses are it's fantastic because it means people can do this learning before they leave home you know before without having to go to the other end of a country to 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 go to a um to another flower farm i mean i think it's really important particularly this year as we come out of a kind of situation we are actually allowed to go and move around freely for people to visit other flower farms i mean i love visiting through flowers from the farm other flower farms i always learn something even if it's a brand new plot um i know it's really funny because i get people going oh no you're not allowed to come and visit my plot i don't want to show you my plot and i'm like no i want to learn because i always see something a different way that somebody's laid something out or you know um some gadget that they've made themselves um and I think that's really important for us all to learn from each other and not be you know I'm hiding it all in I'm not showing you what I'm doing because there is still a huge amount of potential that we are nowhere near um saturation in the British flower farm market we we could you know there could be so many more growers and um I'm um I've got two new growers set up near me 
And I'm so hoping that they really make a grow of a go of it this year and get to the point where they can be selling to florists in big numbers. Because I, as I said, I've closed my books. Um, I've got the florists that I want. I really would love to have more growers in our area um, that can can sell, but it has to be at the right quality. Um, you know, and, and I think that's where the, the, the doing the courses, all the different courses that are out there, uh, it has to be so that you can learn how to do it at a quality level, you know. And that's something that um, I think the British flowers market had got into a problem of um, because I know that when I started 10 years ago, I approached a local florist and they said, actually, we don't want your flowers because British flowers aren't good enough quality. And I was like, huh? Huh? You've never seen my flowers. How can you know they're not good enough quality? But I think because there hadn't been investment in the industry and that we had got to the point where we were only doing um, flowers that are particular varieties that will last at supermarkets, um, we had got to that point where um, florists had not come to us. The, the Dutch were better um, the Dutch are better in their system of selling. Um, and so I think that we as British flag growers have to have really good quality. We have to have different things. We have to have things that won't travel. Um, and we have to be really good at our marketing. Um, we have to make sure that people want to come to us first as, you know, the, the, the first um, point of call rather than and, and then top up with anything else from the Dutch rather than the other way around. Um, I, would, I would second that British flowers are amazing quality. I, mm. I, I'm, I'm not sure what people expect, but when I return back to farmers markets or have returned customers, all I ever hear is like that last year yeah. so well. And, yeah. and it, it's like you say, you condition at the right time into cleaning yeah. water and you tell them to keep it clean. I don't use flower food or anything. Yeah. And, I, and I don't give flower food when I sell the bouquets. And, and so I'm always really thrilled when people bring things back. Although I can't grow a bloody delphinium to save my life. <laughs> Not larkspur beds of it delphiniums from your own seed that's the best thing grow them from your own seed that's really oh, good but that's why good. i made sure that in the in the in the book the british flowers book we had conditioning on all of the things and there is there is going to be a um a cut and condition course going out separately on the uh, the business of growing flowers uh, selling flowers um online courses it's been part of the um the the flagship course and it's now going to be going out separately so that um, florists and small growers who use the flowers for themselves who aren't necessarily wanting to go on the full course because they're using a lot of their flowers themselves will have all the information about um, picking them at exactly the right stage and I've been making videos all through this year or oh, videos that's that's definitely something I'm not keen on but um, I've been working with a fantastic photographer this year to be making um, videos of the exact stage um, to pick the flowers for different markets because again it's about who your customer is to know exactly what point you want to pick them and that's something I always say to my bride customers and they say oh can we pick it up on Thursday for a Saturday wedding and I'm like well yeah because I'll have picked it to be looking great on Saturday so I'll have picked it at the stage so that it will be open and fabulous on Saturday and of course the um the markets, the wholesale markets don't work like that. They pick them at the right stage 
to travel them quite close together. And so they're not, they're not doing it for the florist. They're not doing it for the end customer. They're doing it so that it's, they can travel as many um, stems crushed in together as possible so that it makes it as cheap as possible. And I think that's a difference that we can make is that we can be picking at exactly the right stage for, for the event that's happening. You know, we want a, a bloom to be fully open for, for Saturday lunchtime when, when the bride's going to be walking down the aisle. That's, that's the point where we want it to be looking absolutely stunning. It certainly doesn't want to be in bud then and it just doesn't want to be over. So that's something we can do if we're doing local and we're doing, you know, a day or two um, timescale rather than, you know, it's got to be picked in a, in, in a, in a glass house and then, um, cooled for 24 hours and then put on a plane and then brought over to a market and then sold to you and then allowed to to warm up again and open and we don't have to worry about that yeah and so finally you already said about um there being lots of flower growers that kind of fail within the first within second year and you said that's to do with uh with with marketing and selling Mm. what would be your biggest tip so to me I've you know I've set up it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. I've made the move from floristry to growing. It's all looking fantastic. What can I do that's going to keep me going? So the key thing is to choose who it is you're selling to and then find out what it is they want. Okay, so if you're going to sell to florists, then make sure you know what it is the florists are wanting and then sell and then grow really good quality ones of those but keep them informed of what you're growing. And that's the key thing is that it's the communication. And that's where, you know, that's where the the Dutch work because they send the list every week and you can order everything from it because our florists can't um, order from us in that way. You need to give them as much information as you can. Um, Let them know what you will be growing. Let them know where you, when you think it's going to be flowering um, obviously, you can't promise anything with our wonderful weather at the moment. I think that's going to get more challenging as the, the weeks go past. But I think that's the key thing is keeping communication up so that people get to trust you um, and know your value, know what your value is and don't deviate from that. I get so many people saying, oh, should I charge delivery? It's like, well, OK, if you don't charge delivery, you've got to work out where those that money's going because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you in your vehicle. It's going to cost you in your time. And so people haven't added that in elsewhere. It can be free delivery to the customer, but it's not free delivery to you. And that's where people fail because they take into account the obvious costs and they don't take into account everything else. And then the minute the you know, we have a um, wind and the polytunnel goes or that, that's it, they're finished. Um and, and so it is all about knowing your customer and how you're going to grow for them and then making sure that you give them really good value um, and so they are willing to pay the price that you need them to pay. Yeah, because as much as we are in a position, we're all kind of doing the job that we love. Mm, yeah. We're not doing it for free. Absolutely not. Otherwise, it's a hobby. It's not It's yeah. not a career. Uh, and uh, over the last 10 years, I've been, um, I would say lucky, but I'm not lucky. I've worked at it to yeah. get to the point where I can give myself um, a really nice um, salary each month and then take some extra money if I need to. And it is my... Uh, you know, it's it's really doing well. Um, it's it's definitely a business that is earning me more than if I was still 
working in a garden centre and yet I can choose to have a lion on in January and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and work the hours I want to work. You know, I, I very much am at the point now where I go, well, no, I'm not working Sundays. Yeah. You know, I might water my my greenhouses, but you know, that's that's I, I want to be with my family. Um, um, you know, things may change when my my son leaves home. I may decide <laughs> I want to work more again. But uh, uh, it's been really interesting over the last ten years being able to work the hours around what he needs. Yeah, yeah, it, it's working around children. Yeah, is definitely, it is. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a skill and something you you have to learn. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's all about productivity. It's knowing when you can work and when you're at your most productive and knowing exactly what you have to do in that time yeah and not wasting yeah lists my 20 minute rule lists (laughs) and not uh and and not and not wasting anything it's it's really it's really key to making it a business as well as making it a lovely lifestyle Thank you so much for speaking with us, Claire. Honestly, you are brilliant. We could have chatted with you for so much longer. You've got so much information to give. Um, can't wait to one day come and visit your gorgeous garden. Honestly, this this tour that me and Vic are going on gets longer and longer every week. To find out more about Claire's business and the wonderful courses that she runs, please head over to www.plantpassion.co.uk or go and show us some love over on Insta at plant passion we really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the girl flower podcast please subscribe share and review on your podcast provider and help us to reach out and connect with other florists growers and enthusiasts